Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number 17. And I've got two spooky stories for you today and story number one comes from Jackie. Earlier in the year, you read out my account of my first time at a medium evening. It was episode number 142. This event opened me up to so many experiences that I never could have imagined in my wildest dreams. And this is what happened next. For context, I was widowed in 1980 at 26 years old and I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. In all those previous years, I had no contact from my late husband. Now it's 2020. I don't live in the UK, but my family do. Because of the travel restrictions due to COVID, my sister, the one who started all this, couldn't come to stay as she had hoped for Christmas. So we decided that on Christmas Day evening, we would go onto a Zoom medium service so we could spend time together virtually. During the evening, a medium told me that he had someone with him for me. He said this person is a prankster. He told me that the spirit said he likes the photos that are now up in the computer room, although there's one of him that he hates. During COVID, my youngest daughter, who is not my late husband's child, had sorted out all the old photos and had put up my wedding photos from my first marriage. My second marriage to a narcissist was a disaster and my youngest daughter is estranged from him. The medium asked me if I had problems with my electrics yesterday and I did. We were having our Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve evening, as is custom in the country where I live. With an hour to go before the guests arrived and with the dinner cooking nicely, the whole house plunged into darkness. I tried the usual things, putting the trip switches up and down but nothing. I went to my neighbour next door to see if it was everyone without power but it was only me. My neighbour came in and he had actually built these houses so he knew what he was doing and he could find no fault in the house or in the mains of our urbanisation. Suddenly, as we were thinking about what to do with the electricity, it came back on and my neighbour was mystified. The medium told me that it was the spirit he had with him who had been playing with me. He also told me that he had been turning off the aircon on and off in the computer room. Also true. My daughter said a few times that I had left the aircon on when I hadn't even been in the room. I asked him to tell him to stop turning it on as it was very expensive. At the end of the reading, the medium told me to look out for a glass of spilled milk. I thought nothing of it, as neither my daughter or I would ever have a glass of milk. Fast forward to New Year's Day one week later. I was home alone and was feeling chilled. I actually had a lioness sunbed on the roof terrace as it was sunny and warmer out than in the house. After a while I went inside and started cleaning up the kitchen. It was 1.30. I wiped over the worktop and turned to the sink opposite to rinse out my cloth. I turned back around and the top was swimming in milk. I was dumbstruck. I just hung on to the side of the cupboard laughing. That's impossible, right? Eventually I started to clean up the milk from down the cupboard fronts and the floor. I was looking up to the ceiling to try and make sense of where the milk had come from. I rang my sister to tell her what had happened, even though I knew she was cooking dinner for New Year's Day and would have guests arriving. She was totally amazed too. She said that she would ask some mediums that she knew what it meant. She was doing a medium development circle and had a lot of spiritual communication herself. I was on a high all day from the experience. That night, I was in bed fast asleep when I woke up suddenly. The whole room was filled with the most beautiful scent of flowers. This was a bit freaky as it was the middle of the night and I was alone. 
However, I decided to go with it and just enjoy the beautiful scent, which was like something I'd never smelled before and it was so intoxicating. Fast forward to the middle of February. I saw that the medium who had told me to look out for the spilled milk was on the Zoom service again and I went on to give him feedback. He came directly to me once the meeting got started. He told me he had the prankster with him again. He said he had already turned on his washing machine and dryer at his house as well as flickering the lights on and off while he was getting ready to do the service. He told me that the spirit had played a trick on me a few weeks ago and was very happy to see it made me laugh as much as it made him laugh. I told the medium that he had predicted that on Christmas Day and told him what happened on New Year's Day and he also laughed. Not that night but the night after I was awoken at 3am. I knew there was a presence in the room. I sleep in a single bed and was laying on my right hand side at the edge of the bed. I felt the bed dip down like someone had got in behind me. I admit I froze. I was scared but then I told myself I knew it was him and he would never hurt me. I just stayed still and went back to sleep. 45 minutes I felt the bed move again and I felt him leave. The next day I felt his presence in the house. This was a true gift as I had forgotten how his presence felt and I never imagined that I would feel it again. I soaked up the presence and felt so much gratitude that he was with me again for more than a day. This is not the end of the communication with my husband. Oh, you see, these stories where mediums say stuff that's really specific and accurate, like, they blow my mind. They really do blow my mind. And I'm so glad for you that your husband has found a way to communicate with you that's kind of mutually pleasant. Do you know what I mean? That you're not you're not freaking out because you're not sure if it's him or whatever. And I've heard loads of stories about people who smell flowers, like really strong scent of flowers. And it's the it's their loved ones. And um, I even know, like my friend had a situation in her family home in regards to death. And the uh, nurse that was on the scene sat them down and spoke about things like smelling flowers etc etc as being a sign from loved ones and that she had had lots of experience with it so I think it is one of those things that you should take great comfort from I really do and I hope that he continues to communicate with you in a really positive way and strain number two comes from Gavin up until I was around seven or eight years old I lived in a terraced house in Chatham in Kent It was built in 1897 and is a two-bedroomed property with my younger sister and I sharing the front bedroom upstairs. One night my mum woke up in the early hours and heard my sister and I mid-conversation. Lying silently, she listened for a while and began to realise that rather than talking to each other, we were in the middle of a three-way conversation. Curious, she came into our bedroom to see if everything was okay, to which we replied, yes. Seeing that it was just the two of us, she asked, who are you talking to? Jack and Norman, I replied. My mum replied back with a nonchalant, okay, before I said, say hello and don't ignore them. My mum waved in to what she perceived to be an empty part of the room and said a casual hello before going back to bed. She heard us on a couple of more occasions after this, but decided just to leave us to it. I will admit that my sister and I were both too young to remember any of this. But my mum swears down it is true and I believe her. She also said that my sister was stood up and looking out over the foot of her cot towards where Jack and Norman were, which confirmed to her that we genuinely did see and speak to him. In about 2002, when I was 12 years old, we moved to a house in Maidstone. 
I had a bedtime of 9pm and after saying goodnight, my mum would go back downstairs and watch telly in the living room. I was never tired enough to try and sleep at that time, so I used to lie in bed and read a book with the light on. Most nights, I would start hearing what sounded like my mum's footsteps come up the stairs to use the toilet. As I wasn't allowed to be up past my bedtime, I would slam the book shut, throw it under my pillow, turn the lamp off and put my head down as if trying to sleep. After a minute or so, I'd sit up and see if the coast was clear, only to find no one had come up in the first place. I'd get out of bed and check the bathroom before peering into her bedroom to find both the rooms completely empty, with the lights off. I knew it wasn't my sister because I could hear her sleeping in her bedroom and it wouldn't explain the footsteps on the stairs in the first place. This happened so often that I just got used to it and as the footsteps sounded just like my mum's I had no other reason than to believe that it was her and that I must have missed her going back down. One day she asked me how I would feel if she told me the house was haunted to which I replied I'd be fine with it. She proceeded to tell me that she had visited a medium with a friend and was told that an old lady haunts the landing. I told her my story about the footsteps and she confirmed that it most certainly would have been the ghost. Now I used to sleep with my bedroom door open and had a full view of the top of the stairs and the landing but after this I kept it closed. Not long after I woke up in the middle of the night and saw the silhouette of a figure stood in my door frame. I shoved the covers over my head and laid completely still in fright for what felt like an hour. After building up the courage, I quickly threw my covers off, reached up to turn my light on, looked over and saw it was my dressing gown hanging off the back of the door. After this incident, I continued to sleep with the door open as I felt more at ease with having the landing and disembodied footsteps in view. The medium had told my mum that the old lady wasn't there to cause any harm, so I knew we were safe and it is my honest belief that she was coming up the stairs each night to check up on my sister and I so my mum didn't have to get up and worry. On a separate occasion, my mum got up in the middle of the night to use the toilet. When walking across the landing, she saw a pair of disembodied feet. She described them as being feet in blue, boot-like slippers with a sort of fur around them. To make sure it wasn't a trick of the light and that her sight wasn't still adjusting to the dark, she closed her eyes for a few seconds and opened them again. The feet were still there and then faded away into thin air right before her. My mum is the kind of person who when she experiences things she can't explain, she accepts it with a little excitement before going about her business. In 2009, I joined the RAF and went to RAF Holton to undertake my basic training. RAF Holton has been in use since the First World War and is one of the busiest RAF camps in the UK so it's no surprise the place is steeped in energy. During my course, we had a lights out time of 11pm, which is where everybody should be in their beds and getting some sleep before the next day's training. In reality, that very rarely happened, as you would still be prepping all your kit to inspection standards. So as not to disturb my fellow roommates after lights out one evening, I decided to go down to the ground floor of my barrack block and polish my shoes in the briefing room. Using my head torch so as not to get caught by the duty instructors for having a light on, I sat down in the otherwise pitch black room and immediately sensed that something wasn't right. I was completely alone and became overcome with the very uneasy feeling that I shouldn't be in there. I put my iPod on and started listening to some upbeat music to try and take my mind off the eerie uncomfortable feeling. But after about 10 minutes the atmosphere became too much and I went back to my bed space on the floor above where I immediately felt at ease. 
After graduating and moving to a different base for my phase two training, one of the other guys I trained with, who I'll refer to as O, asked me if I heard about one of the other recruits, whom I will refer to as X, during our time back at Halton. O was asleep one night and was woken up by X, screaming and running flat out towards the fire exit, slamming the door open when he got there. A few of the other recruits followed him, curious as to what was wrong, and tried to calm him down as he was hysterical. After about 45 minutes, he finally calmed down enough to come back in and explained that he woke up to a tall, dark shadow figure looming over him, breathing very heavily, almost like a growling demon. And if that wasn't weird enough, the precise moment that O was woken up, he was also dreaming that someone was standing over him as he slept. Fast forward to 2016, and by this time I was working with the army at MOD Thornley Island on the south coast. One evening during a training course, about five colleagues and I were lying in bed and chatting in a 10-man room at Longmoor Training Camp. At some point between 10 and 11pm, we decided to switch off our lights and go to sleep. Lying on my side with my eyes closed, I felt somebody creeping towards my bed and believing it to be one of my colleagues coming over to play a prank on me. Without sitting up or opening my eyes, I said in a very authoritative and slightly threatening manner, Fuck off. A split second after I said that, I suddenly sat bolt right up, eyes wide open and feeling like I'd just woken up from a dream. Looking around, I saw that everybody was tucked up in their beds and either fast asleep or trying to get to sleep. That reaction would have made sense if I'd been asleep myself. However, I know for a fact I was still awake when I sensed the movement, and me sitting up was an automatic reaction that I had no control over. It's very difficult to explain what exactly happened and what I felt, but the best thing I can think of was that a spirit was making the way over to me as I lay there, and took my warning when I told it to get lost. In January 2017, I was on guard duty on Thorny Island, and I got talking to one of the other guys on guard with me, who I will refer to as Jay. We moved on to the topic of the church on the island, which, according to Wikipedia, dates back to around 1100 AD. He said he hadn't been there before, so we decided to conduct a security patrol of the island, stopping off at the church to have a look around. Upon entering, we started to hear the voices of two men outside in the graveyard having a conversation. Believing it to be groundsmen working or family members visiting the grave of a loved one, we thought nothing of it. We went back outside and made our way around the building to where the voices were, only to see that there was nobody there. At the bottom of the graveyard was a footpath, and I made my way down there to see if they had wandered off. Again, there was no sign of them, and they couldn't have gone out the main entrance to the road because they'd had to have gone past us as we came out. I always look for a logical explanation first, as I like to be 100% certain that any strange activity is of a paranormal nature, and in my opinion, I think there may have just been enough time for the two men to walk off down the footpath and around the corner before Jay and I got there. He is adamant, however, that there wasn't, and he was reluctant to talk about it afterwards, which told me that he was spooked. A couple of days later, Jay asked me out of the blue. Do you remember the other day when we went to the church? Did you ever notice that you could distinctly hear two male voices having a conversation, but you couldn't make out any specific words? At the time, it didn't dawn on me, but when he mentioned it, the thought did occur to me that I could never make out anything that was said either. 
In September 2018, I was on exercise at an old airfield in the northeast of England. The sleeping arrangements consisted of about 15 of us on cot beds inside a large storage garage, big enough to house military vehicles. My bed was at the bottom of the garage, and a friend of mine, Ash, was in the one next to me at the very end. Just along from Ash's bed, and well outside arm's reach, was the light switch. One night, when we decided to get our heads down, Ash got up, turned the lights off and made his way back to his bed. As he lay down, the lights suddenly turned themselves back on with a loud buzzing sound as the power kicked into the electric bulbs. Initially believing he was messing around, we quickly realised he couldn't have turned them on without first having to get out of his bed and physically put pressure on the switch to click it between the off and on positions. As well as this, if he were to get out of bed, he still wouldn't have had enough time to get back in bed before the garage and himself were illuminated. After testing the switch to make sure it wasn't broken, or that it didn't trip back into the on position after a short period of time, we all agreed that it must have been a one-off glitch. Ash proceeded to turn the lights off again, and as he got back into bed he said, I swear to God, if that happens again I am out of here. At that precise moment, the lights buzzed back on again and one of the guys opposite us sat bolt upright with a look of horror and confusion on his face. After a third time, the lights stayed off and we had no further experiences. Ash took photos which unfortunately came up with nothing. When I got to know Ash and his beliefs in the paranormal, I got talking to him about my experience at the church. Again, when I was on guard, we decided to go for a patrol up there, this time at night, to see if we could pick up on anything. We took his car and parked outside the graveyard. Walking along the path through the graveyard, I felt electricity running all through my body. The adrenaline was pumping, my heart was pounding and the hairs were standing on the back of my neck and arms which I initially put down to excitement. We entered the church through the main door, which was a typical thick and extremely heavy oak door found on most churches. Ash tried closing it behind us explaining that if something were to occur, he could rule out any natural causes as it would be firmly shut. After a while of trying, he couldn't get it to latch, so we left it ajar and made our way down the aisle before turning around at the altar. Looking back at the already eerie pitch-black church, Ash asked aloud if somebody was there with us to give us a sign. Not even a second later, we heard an almighty slam from the oak door, which was so loud you'd be forgiven for thinking a bomb had gone off right next to you. This was compounded by the fact that the church was extremely echoey and we were in dead silence, in almost total darkness. After jumping out of our skin, we immediately investigated what could have caused such a heavy door to close with such force. My first thought was whether it could have been colleagues following us from the guardroom to play a joke on us as I told him what we were up to. Looking outside, I didn't see or hear anybody running away or laughing at what would have been a practical joke. There also wasn't any vehicles driving off down the road, or even the sound of an idling engine. It was totally silent, and there wouldn't have been enough time for them to hide anywhere without being seen or heard first. My next thought was whether the wind could have been the contributing factor, but the night was totally still, without even the slightest breeze. The door also slammed inwards into the church, and a sudden gust would have blown it open, not shut. As it was so calm outside, it also wouldn't have slammed with such a bang, as it only had a few millimetres of travel left before hitting the latch. We stayed a little longer, taking photos to see if we could conjure up more activity. 
Sadly, this was without success, so we called it a night and made our way back to the guard room. Was the electric feeling in my body just excitement, or was I feeling some sort of build-up of spiritual energy which led to the door slamming? To this day, we both cannot come up with a logical explanation. My partner of eight years told me a story about her grandfather who is sadly no longer with us. He is from Newcastle and used to earn a living driving taxis. He was a smoker and only ever used to listen to BBC Radio Newcastle when he was out and about in his taxi. Shortly after my partner passed her driving test, she would be driving alone when the radio would suddenly change to BBC Radio Newcastle on its own accord and a smell of cigarette smoke would fill her car. This would happen on multiple occasions and was also experienced by her younger sister once she passed her driving test a few years later. I believe that he is letting them know that he is there looking over them and making sure they come to no harm. On a rare occasion we get a random smell of cigarette smoke at home and bearing in mind we're both non-smokers. We believe it to be her granddad again letting us know that he is there to say hello. Similarly, not long after my nan lost her father, she woke up one night to see him looking over her before disappearing right in front of her. Her exact words when she described the event were, he was there and then he wasn't. She wasn't phased by this experience, instead finding it comforting. I don't believe she is a huge believer in the paranormal, but she knows for a fact that she definitely saw him. Firstly, as always, it is customary to say that children are creepy, important to remember and to be reminded of that. One of the first stories that I read about the paranormal when I was a child was a story about disembodied feet. I still remember the story. I love stories about disembodied feet. Please don't ask me why. I just think it's such a strange little thing. Like, where is the rest of the body? Why can you only see the feet? Is there a reason for that? I do not know. And I think that military bases are such strange places. Like, especially ones that have been in operation for a really long time. Like, there has to be so much energy built up there on military bases. The amount of young men and women who have been there like nervous or scared or hating every second of it, whatever it was, like there must be so much energy built up there over the years. And look, you know, a church dating back to 1100 AD, that's got to be full of ghosts. And that whole thing about hearing voices but not quite being able to make out any of the words they say is pretty common in these ghost stories. Like you hear it kind of all the time. And massive props to taxi driving granddad for coming back and looking after your partner and her sister. I love stories where loved ones come back and just let you know that they're looking out for you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jackie and Gavin for sending in your stories. Remember, if you have a story that you would like to send in, you can send it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website com. If you are desperate for more content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow.